You are listening to the Wisdom Factory podcast. Heidi Hörnlein and Mark Davenport present to you high-level conversations with their show guests who share their knowledge and wisdom and inspire us to wake up and to grow up. This podcast is sponsored by the Italian non-profit cultural association Il Paradiso Integrale. Find out more at paradisointegrale.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Tom Habib, clinical psychologist and couples therapist in California. He is researching new ways in which intimate couples can become partners in self-development and in growing deeply into we spaces. In his presentation, he is referring to visual material which you can see and download at http colon slash slash bid dot ly slash tom big letter t o m habib h a b i b while t and h of tom and habib are big letters intimate couples growing up together this is part two first love So in the relational stage, what's happening is they have all their roles down where um, they can give and take. One can lead, the other one can follow, depending upon the skill level. They can problem solve. They've worked out all the nuances of getting along in an intimate relationship, and they don't catastrophize. Everything isn't an absolute catastrophe in a battle for power, separation, They've got a nice rhythm going, but the problem is they haven't really clicked into first love. You know, it, it, it's, it's more functional, and they're still deluded by the early fantasy that other people uh, get to stay at, uh, other people get to stay at safety and security, mm-hmm. and that they might have married the other person, wrong person. That's the fantasy that until you get the first love, you haven't gotten rid of yet. Mm-hmm. So the relational relationship in many times works. Like I say, many times if I get a couple there, therapy stops because they don't really have or a lot of us haven't understood how to get them to first love. So that's been the fun for me is trying to invoke these state experiences in couples that have that nice solid platform And it does lay breadcrumbs for them that there's a deeper experience to be had that we'll get into as we go along. That sounds good. That's good. good. And uh, it'd be great to know how you entice them to move to that next stage. Them and us. (laughs) Oh, we don't don't do that. (laughs) You're one of my experimental couples. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're happily guinea pigs. No problem. So this is how we do it. So the goal is to develop the intimate we space. And how we're going to do it is by prolonging moments in the method of resonance and shared feeling. And the shared feeling is going to come from an external source initially in order to create the what some people talk metaphysically about the vibrational field that we're trying to internalize. So the how is... We find moments that are poignant, that have resonance, and I decide ahead of time with my partner 
that I'm going to hold eye contact during those moments for 10 to 30 seconds. And we're looking for those moments, those emotionally laden moments uh, that we can experience together. Perhaps when we're watching a movie, uh, listening or dancing to music that are, are filled with joy, love, intimacy, sexual intimacy, sadness, change, loss, separation, transition. There's so many moments of those life that we feel deeply into. Anger. Uh, Anger. Well, anger. <laughs> no, 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 wrong, wrong end of the spectrum. Sorry. No, I think um, if I interrupt you, uh, when I'm angry with you, I think it would be good when we could look into our eyes at that moment instead of me staying in the in the anger. What would you say? Well, I would be a little afraid. That's an interesting concept, Heidi. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> Working on anger. And for most couples, given how quick it deteriorates, I mean, sometimes one of the ways, believe it or not, I create a safe environment for couples is I drop into my blue levels and I won't let them battle because then it's unsafe. Mm -hmm. So I get my chair and whip and threaten mm -hmm. to put somebody in the waiting room if they can't control themselves because it gets very serious uh, among couples. So anger, I'm going to have to think about Oh, you raised a very interesting discussion there. Yeah, you know, it's not that I uh, whip the uh, kick him or something, but when it's something he's forgotten again and something like this, and I get angry and I express it, and I'm really sure that it is in first tier expression, you know, really <laughs> <laughs> blaming. So instead of him getting then uh, angry, we could. Oh, you can also get angry, oh, but when we notice it, and we do notice it, that we could uh, exercise this thing. But, okay. but we didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I really need to think that. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very interesting idea in terms of this experience. Yeah. So here are the instructions. And number one and two is really where couples need to do the entry point. It's probably going to take six months to really develop it before we go on to the the remaining uh, five of them. So here it is. Uh, we look into each other's uh, eyes with prolonged eye contact for 10 to 30 seconds. And once we stabilize that moment and we calm down all the upper right, the visceral, the bodily experiences, so we can relax, relax into it, we breathe into that moment. You know, we soften our eyes in order to really feel it with them. You know, we feel them resonating, which is getting into number two. We feel beyond our own feelings and into the resonating field between, between us in that moment. And you can see by doing this over and over again, where, um, you know, we're conscious of that moment, trying to develop that connection. You know, it's not something idealized. It, it's something that an experience we're having between us, even though it's externally derived. And I'm not sure if I said enough about that. So one of the easiest ways to do it is for couples that have children. And, you know, our experiences with our children, they have to be hardwired. You know, I remember asking a colleague, do we ever stop worrying about them? <laughs> and probably not, because it, it probably, you know, is built into you know, our survival instincts and everything. 
but it's easy source in order to get those poignant feelings. So some moment where the, the child's struggling and perhaps they have triumph and that mixture of joy and sadness and invokes, and it, that is so right to develop that resonance with. So we're holding that and we're, or we're you know, witnessing that moment together, calming down the viscera, trusting each other in that moment, and then trying to uh, feel the, the resonance between us. So that's why we're doing the external sources initially as a way of developing those pathways emotionally between us. Mm-hmm. So make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So to move on in this and to, to get to the next steps, and remember one to two is probably going to take six months of practice mm-hmm. in doing because there's going to be moments, you know, you only do it for 10 seconds and you look away. Other times you're going to really hang in there for the 30 seconds. I mean, 30 seconds is a long time. I know we've done in uh, Buddhist present seminars I've attended. I've done up to an hour with Christine. And wow. a lot of people can't handle that. But it's very interesting what happens when we do it. So number three. We notice how you can become aware of the commonality of feelings you share with countless others not there at this moment. And again, I'm going to go back to the parenting one, is that in that moment of both joy and sadness, there's a commonality of so many other people have been there and have felt that before. And we just want to begin to locate that commonality because what we're doing in that moment is planting the seeds of what Barbara Max Hubbard calls uh, non-local awareness, non-local consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's how you seed that. Uh, and I'll have more to say that, say about that as we get further down on this structure of um, development. Mm-hmm. So number four. We begin to notice how it becomes easier to enter this we space. You know, the visceral settles down. You automatically search out that eye contact because it does deepen the relationship between us. It feels so intimate Mm -hmm. to allow connection at that moment. And it begins to create even sacred you can feel in that moment. So it becomes easier. We We begin to notice it. Number five, we begin to initiate this we space with only a look or what I call a kiss with an intention. Uh, last night, I Chris, kissed Christine goodnight, and uh, she said, wow, that one really had intention. <laughs> so it's not just a, you know, a peck. It's not a perfunctory thing. It's embodying that we connection, that deeper space, because now as we go along in this continuum, it's becoming familiar. This first love state experience is becoming really familiar. And we begin to invoke it, you know, just with a kiss. And you can see how the skill is really developing now, you know, in my hypothetical scenario here, is that we can feel it. It's just really having a clear guideline of how we do it. So 
I'm, I'm wondering your reaction. People that are familiar with integral and state experiences and whatnot, do you think this is doable for people that are reasonably stable in their relationship? Oh, yeah. I think so, yeah. But there needs a reasonable confidence between the people. Mm -hmm. If it is a relationship which has the cracks, it can, oh. it can help, I imagine. But it is more difficult, probably, because these initial states probably are more difficult. Because when you are already, I, I think back on past relationship, when you are already in sort of breakup, halfway breakup, oh, and then look the other into the eyes, you mm -hmm. lose your <laughs> your illusion of power, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think it must be at least the commitment that we want to stay together, and uh, uh, then I think it can yeah it can work. There's got to be a significant degree of goodwill. Yeah, you know, they can't be you know in great conflict and, no. and start. To I imagine. Out. No. They must. They must be, as you said before, willing both mm -hmm. to do that. Right. There has to be that stability because, I mean, the beauty is that the overexposure shows the potential of connection. It's just that so much goes through the bandwidth that can't handle it. But the exciting part is it isn't that safety and security in all the fantasies in the movies that it's really this level of connection that, remember, it becomes non-local. It, it becomes, you know, the other in the communal experiences we always talk about in Integral. And the, the potential for love is just enormous. And that's why I'm excited about this, is to try to have some pathway into this is what I'm finding. So if I can move on, make sure mm -hmm. I find this one. This one, number six, notice how these feelings are neither temporally, that's time, or geographically, location, limited. They're always accessible. So neither temporally or geographically limited. So what do we mean by this? Is when you can begin to invoke this easily, it doesn't even require your spouse to be there. It's like the memory of it becomes so persistent, you begin to enter that space alone. And it's not just in intimate couples. It's also in, like when I visit the great cathedrals in Europe, and this is metaphysical, of course, and the part of me is trained as scientific training, always goes construct validity, construct validity, <laughs> proof. <laughs> but I understand that, of course, to get a little integral here, I understand that tension between modernism and postmodernism is integral, maintaining both. When I'm in those great cathedrals, you can feel the hundreds of years that people were at their higher self. And I love it. I just open up into it and I bask myself in it and just take it all in. And that's, that's how it persists. That's it not being neither temporally, because obviously some of these cathedrals aren't even used anymore. Some are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And for some reason, some unknown resonance seems to persist. And on the dark side in Rome, being um, in the Colosseum, I remember just the awful feeling in there of 
you know, what happened there and, you know, how people, the, the total disregard for humanity and how profane it was that it was just used for entertainment. I just couldn't shake that feeling. So whatever that is, I mean, the scientific part of me wants to find some sort of construct proof of it, but it seems to be true. Have you been in those locations? Sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I was thinking about the power places. We have a, a mountain not far away where for yeah. centuries or longer, it has always been a power place in Montecimini here mm -hmm. with these huge mountains, mm -hmm. with these huge, not mountains, uh, rocks right. and and think places, or I don't know if you call them like this, round mm -hmm. the rocks, uh, organized round. And so you, when you come there and the high uh, trees, that it's sort of, you know, you, you, you sort of feel something. I, I don't know what it is, but it is, is something. And the same... It destines a residue of what has gone before. Yeah. yeah. But even if you don't know it, that yeah. they have passed by always uh, the, 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 the people who came from north to south uh, mm -hmm. often had their, their sac sacred places, you know. You, you, you feel that. And in many churches you feel it. And in some churches you feel also that the darkness when there was, you know, some other things going on. And often, even without knowing, you, you, you can feel these things. It's... Uh, yeah, you can see what I'm doing is in couples, I'm tracking the same state experiences. Mm -hmm. And later on, I'm, I'm going to show you a, a grid because I'm changing the language from the common ones to something that shows more of the collective state experience. Because mm -hmm. I'm finding the individual ones, although informative, I want to do some of the new ones. But to, to finish this, if I can uh, go on, is... So I think we've already alluded to this, number seven. So we already, we noticed how the we space persists even when not in eye contact. Mm -hmm. And then number eight, we notice how the we space persists even not, even when we're not, we're separated. Mm -hmm. So by way of realistic expectation in the box here, when number one and eight are fully developed, one through eight is fully developed, our center of gravity stays at first love, but there's so few couples that can do this. You know, Christine and I find that we can easily, much more easily float up into it and that it persists, but we spend most of our time in the relational level. Mm -hmm. And again, there's no statistics on this and, you know, whether it's normal and what the distribution is, what the potential is, these are all future questions but at least mapping out some of this in order to ask these questions down the road is realistic. And then in order for people out there practice this, it's more re realistic. Expect times when you float up the first love, as we're saying, from the relational stage rather than pr prematurely expect most of your time to be there. And so just not to develop all the frustrations associated with that. I thought that's useful to say that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to watch our conversations on video, please go to our YouTube channel, which is called The Wisdom Factory, or watch the videos in the video archive of our website, www.thewisdomfactory.net. Thank you.